Hi, I'm Ellen Newhouse, and welcome to Heart and Soul. Are you ready to live a soulfully inspired life? If you are ready to dive deep, get seriously honest with yourself, and learn to trust your deep wisdom, then this is the place for you. I'll be sharing unfiltered stories from my own life and those of many other courageous, creative entrepreneurs and transformational leaders who have dug deep inside themselves to heal, honor their amazing wisdom, and dare to take inspired action. No more sitting by the sidelines wishing for a more satisfying life. It's time for you to become the person you have always dreamed of being. Have a career and a life you love. Join us each week to be spiritually uplifted and inspired into action. And oh yes, I'll be giving you homework to get you moving closer to your dreams. Welcome back to the Heart and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Newhouse, and today you are in for a real treat. We have Leanne Kabat in the house. She is a coach, a teacher, a speaker, a mother, and an author of the five seasons of Connection Collection. Her books take us right into those crucial minute-by-minute interactions where we either draw closer together or push further apart. Her first book helps parents connect on a deeper level with their kids. Her second book goes into the most profound adult relationships we have guiding couples out of winter and towards their deepest love and truest connection. And her third book helps entrepreneurs overcome fears of success and failure to build a business on their brilliance. Leanne developed the Five Seasons Framework as a result of a medical diagnosis in 2006 that gave her five years to live, challenging her to truly live a life she loved. Fifteen years later, she's happily raising three teens and excited to visit her 50th country when it's safe to do so. Good morning, Leanne. Good morning, Ellen. How are you? I am wonderful, and I'm so honored to be sitting with you and so (laughs) deeply touched that you're coming here to share all of your wisdom with everyone who's listening, because I know you have so much to share. I've been following you for years, and personally, you have touched my heart deeply. So let's dive in. Oh my goodness. All right. So for those that don't know Leanne, she has overcome a massive health issue in her life and continues to do so today. So it began in 2006 while you're pregnant. So tell me. Yeah, we had just moved to the U.S. in January of that year. And in March, my husband needed to go to California on a training. So I had my three-year-old and my two-year-old and four-year-old with me. Mm -hmm. And I said, no problem. Go to California. We've got this. I'm five months pregnant. You know, I'm feeling great. Off Mm -hmm. you go. Enjoy the sunshine. And it was like the darkest, rainiest winter Seattle had had (laughs) in like 90 years. Right. We didn't know any neighbors. We hadn't met anyone yet because it was so dark and rainy. We hadn't been out and Mm -hmm. my kids weren't in any schools because we had just arrived. So Mm -hmm. we were really isolated. And one night I was really tired, like overly tired, even for being five months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what, guys, we're going to sleep together tonight and we're all going to go to bed now. (laughs) So it was like 730. I pulled Mm -hmm. the toddlers into bed with me and we all fell asleep. And some around 2 a.m., I needed to go to the bathroom. So I woke Mm. up to pee as Mm -hmm. pregnant women do. And as soon as I stood up on the floor, I just collapsed and I fell on my belly. And as quickly as I blacked out, I came to, but I Mm. wasn't able to move. So I lay on the floor for about five hours, frozen and stuck, Mm. unable to do anything. And 
of course you go through all of these stages, right? Like this isn't happening to me. And oh my God, what, you know, Mm. what do you want from me? I will do anything at this point. Like I'm bargaining with anybody, you know? And then at some point I just surrendered and I, Mm. I didn't want my kids to wake up and see me on the floor. They didn't know about 911. Like I just, it was a nightmare beyond Mm. nightmare. And at some point around seven, I just got this huge flood of heat my head started to spiral. I got these pink neon flashes across my eyes, but I could move. So I got up, I cleaned myself up, woke the kids, grabbed some snacks, threw them in the van. And on the GPS, I typed hospital Oh, geez. because I didn't even know where one was. And off we went down to Issaquah, which was about 30 minutes away. And it started off this eight-month odyssey on what happened and what was continuing to happen in my brain. Hmm. The baby was born in July and he was healthy. Thank God. Oh, thank God. But I wasn't, you know, Mm. I continued to have these brain crashes, as I Mm. called. Like they were almost like reboots of my system and I would black out and then come to... And it was leaving me weak and confused and agitated. And in November of that year, they called me back in and it was a week before Thanksgiving. And they sat me down and all my scans and all my test results were there. And they said, look, we don't know what you have, Hmm. but looking at all the data, we know it's going to kill you. Oh, And I said, when? Five years. Oh my gosh. And I said, that's not possible. Like I have a baby at home. I have three babies at home. Like, what are you saying? You know, next week is Thanksgiving. And that year, my birthday fell on Thanksgiving. And, you know, my family thought it was such a fun thing that we moved to a country that all of a sudden had a national holiday (laughs) for mommy's birthday. And I just said, are you saying after Thursday, I get four more birthdays with them? You know, I get four more Thanksgivings. Is that what you're saying? And they just said, go home, hug your babies, live as best you can and take care of your affairs. What I am shocked by is that they don't know what's wrong with you, but they are certain that in five years you are going to be dead. Yeah. They used all of the data from all of the different tests to say people who have these test results die at this point. People who have these test results die here. People with these test results are fine, but they can't compete with the people who die. So we're giving you this diagnosis. Oh my goodness. It was based in their science. It was the best they could do, but they didn't actually know what the thing was that I particularly had. And at one point, my neurologist said, look, Leanne, you're ahead of the science. Mm. Like we don't know what this mm-hmm. is. And we, we might know if more people get it, but it might just be this really freaky, undiagnosable diagnosis. And you just have to live as if you have this happening, right? We don't want you wow. to miss out. We don't want you to wait for it, but mm-hmm. we also want you to know it's coming. So as symptoms get increasingly difficult mm-hmm. for you, oh, keep reporting back to us We want to kind of track what you have. Oh, boy. And for the first, you know, three years, Ellen, I was busy dying. Mm, Yes. I was taking pictures of my kids, like thousands of pictures a month. I was documenting Mm. everything for them because mommy wouldn't be there to tell them how cute they were when they were three. You know, mommy wouldn't be there Mm -hmm. to show them how much I love them when they walk down the aisle or graduate from college. Like I wasn't going to be there. And I wanted to film everything and and document everything. And then one day something happened. And my husband had brought his mom down from Canada to help out. I was not doing well. Mm -hmm. I could not function. I wasn't Mm -hmm. driving. I couldn't remember how to cook. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to do shopping, like just Mm -hmm. the basics of running Mm -hmm. a family. I couldn't do. And she had been watching me and I had this particularly bad incident with my daughter and she asked for my help to open a cheese string. And, you know, like the strings of cheese in the little plastic wrapper. And I said, of course, honey, give me the cheese string. And Mm -hmm. she's, you know, three and a half, four at this time. And Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find the two plastic ends to pull them apart. 
and I can't find them and I can't oh. pull the cheese apart and I'm sweating and I'm stressing and I'm twisting the cheese mm-hmm. and it's melting in my hand because I'm working the cheese string oh. and I'm starting to panic that my yeah. brain is shutting down and I can't do something basic like feed my child. And so I'm working this cheese string and I'm stressing and she's like, mommy, it's okay. I'm like, I'm opening this cheese string. Oh. Mommy, mommy, I don't want cheese. Mm-hmm. I'm getting you this cheese string, honey. Yeah. I'm going to open this for you. And I couldn't open it. And I just put it on the counter and I grabbed a cleaver and I chopped it in half and the oh. cheese string flew across the room. Oh. And I looked down at her and I'm this hot, sweaty, mm. crying mess. Yeah. And her eyes were giant. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, and she ran away. Yeah. And at that moment, I just collapsed on the floor. Mm. And I was heavily medicated. I was confused. I was angry at myself. I was angry at this stupid cheese string that pushed me over my edge. I was angry at the world, God, mm. everything. And my mother-in-law just said, you know, don't worry about the kids. Like if, you know, if something's happening to you, I'll raise the kids. Oh dear. Oh dear. And it was almost like I had been hit by a sledgehammer. I get that. Yeah. And I just looked at her and I get that she was coming from a place of love and a place of, and I looked at her and I was blown apart inside And that like fighter in me woke up Mm. and I was like, Mm. I am raising my children. They are my children. I get to raise them. I did not give birth to them to give them to somebody else. And I threw out my, I had a basket of all my drugs, my pills, my tablets, my injections, my patches. I had everything, Mm. probably thousands of dollars of medication in this basket. And I tossed it in the garbage. And I went for a walk and I live at the bottom of a steep hill and I'm huffing up this Mm. hill and I'm puffing up this hill and I am cursing and swearing into the sky. (laughs) And I know the neighbors were thinking, who do we call? Like this woman (laughs) is losing her mind. And I was just like, there is no way this is happening. Mm. You don't even know what I have. You don't get to tell me that my life is ending in two more years. Yes. And I was seeing five everywhere. 55 miles an hour, five o'clock on the clock, $50 at the grocery store. It was just haunting me and mocking Mm. me that I had this amount of time to live. And I just decided I'm changing the game. I'm changing this right now. I am going to use the number five to change everything. And I came home and I just decided I'm not dying anymore. I'm living. I'm living. And nobody is going to tell me differently. So the first thing Mm. I did was Mm. I decided what did I want in my life, right? I wanted Mm. to play with my kids. I wanted them to know that they were loved beyond life itself. And I couldn't do that when I was angry and frustrated and tired and irritated all the time. And so I started to practice this Mm. way of life which was really based on what we were seeing in the seasons outside of our window, right? There was a season of wintering. Mm. It was things were shutting down. Things were cold. They were harsh. They were bitter. They were, they were cutting to the core. Mm. This wintering was the dark places, right? Yes. It was when it got dark at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon. It was when the rain was keeping us blind from what we could see. That was winter. Spring in my world became a time when I apologized. And I said, I'm sorry, mommy was not what you needed her to be. You know, I'm sorry that I yelled at you. I'm sorry that I told you, you had to do something on my time, not on your time. Mm -hmm. Or you know, can we please do this differently? Can we plant new seeds to try again? Can we do this differently right now? Can you show me about your Beyblades and about your Mm. Lego figures? Can you teach me about your Barbies and your dolls? Like, bring me into your world. I'm sorry I put my crap in your space. Mm -hmm. I'm inviting your stuff into my space. I want your stuff in my space. Like, share your passions and loves with me. So Mm -hmm. spring became a time of renewal. Yes. Because I wanted summer. 
And it didn't matter what was happening outside our door. Summer to me was the place where I felt the deepest joy Mm. and the deepest love. Mm -hmm. And I could share the best parts of me, right? Mm. And I could share the strongest parts of me and I could invite them to do the same. Mm. I wanted them to show me what lit them up. I wanted them Mm. to bake the cake and feel so proud and not worry about the flour on the floor and the cocoa powder (laughs) on the cupboards and, you know, the egg drippings everywhere. Just bake me the cake of your Mm. dreams. So summer was just this beautiful paradise place that I thought if I died right now Mm. and we knew summer, they would remember love and they would look for this in their life. Fall happened when I was tired or pain Mm -hmm. took over or Mm -hmm. I was angry at their father for something or I was angry at God for something or Mm -hmm. I was angry that the school needed three hours of volunteer work a week when I didn't even know how to find the school. I kept getting lost in my neighborhood. Fall was the reminder that something was happening. Winter was Mm -hmm. coming if Mm -hmm. I didn't course correct. So get back into spring, get back into replanting, remove the things that weren't serving me, take off the obligations and the social responsibilities and Mm. get back to basics. Get enough sleep, drink enough water, play, laugh, connect. Mm. The fifth season I created doesn't exist obviously in nature, but it served me more than all the other seasons combined. And it was what I called the crossroads. (laughs) And the crossroads was the moment where I stood and needed to decide, am I barking at them right now? Am I angry that they, you know, fought with each other Mm -hmm. or were arguing over what TV show to watch or didn't want to eat their dinner and they pushed it away and they were kind of, is that where I'm going? Or am I taking the path to summer? Am I going to lead with love? Am I going Mm. to offer compassion in their struggle? Am Mm. I going to recognize they are in their own personal winter and it doesn't need to pull me in? I can guide them back to summer. And when I recognize their personal winters and their personal seasons, I was able to stand at the crossroads and say, baby, I hear you. I know you didn't make the team and I am so, Mm. so sorry. And coming home and hitting your sister is never going to be the path to summer. So I get that you're angry and I want you to feel it, feel it, let it burn in your soul and let it bring you to the next best place that you can be, which is upping your training, practicing some more, asking the coach, what can I do better, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how can you use this for your own personal growth, right? Because winter is a time to rip away all that's not serving us and grow through the spring cleaning of what we need to do. Hmm. It was pivotal to have the crossroads be an opportunity for me to choose, right? So I didn't bark at my kids. I Mm -hmm. didn't become that mom that, you know, dumped all my angst and frustration all over everyone. I sat in it and I chose summer almost every time because for Mm -hmm. me, I could still be dying at any moment, right? Right. right? So that was always in the back of my mind. Like Leanne, you're at this crossroads. Mm. What if this is the headache that takes you down? Right. Right. Do you want to leave them in winter? What if they don't remember how to get out? No, lead them back to summer every time. And it changed everything. And what I love, I mean, I need to stop here for a moment because you have said so much and I have written so much. I'm like, oh my God, I want to know about this and this and this. And for those of us who don't have a disease or a chronic illness or an acute illness that's right on our backs, you have offered so much. Because the thing that you said that I love the very, very most, well, there are so many, but One of them is that you made a decision. You decided that enough was enough. You were going to be here. And this morning, I happened to pop onto your Facebook page and you said something and I I wanted to talk about it because you said you don't get what you want. You get what you believe. 
And so I want, so in that moment, I can totally imagine you saying that is enough. I'm going to live. I'm going to be here. And I know that feeling because I've had a different kind of an illness, but an illness that, that I felt the same. But for those of us who don't have that in the moment, how do we decide? How do we believe when we don't believe? Right. I hear you. And very few people in the world have what I have. So right. there's, you know, but we all have winter storms, right? We right. have divorces. We have parents dying. We have miscarriages in our mm-hmm. lives. We yeah. have miscarriages of justice. We have right. political activation. There are mm-hmm. a million winter storms that we mm-hmm. face as a population. And personally, we carry the wintering of our souls, right? The traumas of our past, the abuses right. of people who we thought loved us, mm-hmm. the sadnesses that I didn't go to be a lawyer. I didn't get to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. I had to go work at Burger King and support my family because mm-hmm. my parents weren't able, right? We all have the winter in our soul, but we know the pain. You don't have to have my thing to mm-hmm. know my feelings, right? right? And I think that's why the five seasons is so powerful because we've all walked that dark night of the soul. I didn't think I had a choice, right? I had Mm. a team of people, some of the best in the country tell me, we think you're dying. And this is all the evidence that tells us we're right. Mm -hmm. So for little old Leanne in a new country with no Mm -hmm. support system and three babies and not even remembering how to light my gas stove when the pilot (sighs) light goes out, and I don't know what to do with all this food in my pantry because I forget how to cook it, I don't have options, right? right? And yet the decision has to be even more basic than that. Hmm. The decision has to be, do I love me right in this moment? And what does the me in this moment need to Mm -hmm. feel loved? Hmm. That might be you sit on the floor and you cry it out. That might be you get in the shower and wash it away. It might be a cup of tea. It might be calling a friend and saying, I really don't know where I'm at right now. Can you put me back in my geography? Mm. Like, give me my personal coordinates. What am I doing with my life? Reflect my goodness for me because Mm. I can't see it. It might be that you start journaling. And I highly recommend this because I can't remember a lot of things. So I Mm. write everything down. I have become the world's best transcriptionist. (laughs) And I write everything down because I think... When was a time that I remembered how to make good choices? Hmm. My good choices are, am I feeling healthy and fed? Am I feeling rested and rejuvenated? If I'm not, then I need to assess my life. Have I been outside today? Have Hmm. I fed my body something healthy? Have I moved? Have I laughed? Have I loved? Hmm. Right? Have I brought joy to anybody? right? Even if it's a Facebook post, like you mentioned, even Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, giving my kids, you know, a Facebook message, you know, a direct message with something funny from their childhood, just saying, yeah, remember the 42,000 pictures I took of you? This was one of my favorites, you know, and just pushing out love into the world. We don't have to have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. Clearly Mm. my doctors don't because it's been 15 years and I'm here, (laughs) but I still have the thing I had. Right. The decision is not Mm. where am I going in five years? The decision is what does Leanne need in this second? And so I would ask you, like, what do you need in this second to feel love? Right. Is it that you need to feel grounded? Mm -hmm. Is it that you need peace and quiet or do you need connection? Mm -hmm. Do you need to feel strong and powerful for a moment? Do you need to feel some rest? Because the burdens that you carry through your life are so heavy. You cannot Mm -hmm. see a time that you are not in winter. I love that. Yeah. So we need to slow down and really come back to the very, very basics of our existence in order to go forward. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And going forward isn't always, you know, these big leaps into the abyss, right? Like they're not (laughs) always these, you know, if you don't invest in this program, you don't believe in yourself or, Mm. you know, join this huge movement. It can actually be, 
I'm going to sit and listen to Lauren Daigle for Mm -hmm. an hour on repeat. I am just going to saturate myself with religious readings, or I'm going to read an inspirational poetry book, or I'm going to watch the trees rustle outside my window. Mm. And that is living, right? Yes. 50 countries is amazing, right? Right. And writing books is amazing. And being a speaker around the world, all those things are amazing. Mm -hmm. And if I died without doing any of them, I would have still lived right? because I was able to see what does Leanne bring to this world and how does she understand who she is in this moment and in every moment that she's given the choice. And that's why the crossroads is the power of the pause. Mm. If you're feeling like you have to be running, you know, with yourself on fire through this world, doing everything there is to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's not living. No. Right? That's actually running from yourself. Mm. And I question people who do that. And I say, can you sit in your heart? Can you sit in your mess? Can you sit in your sadness? Mm. Can you sit in the betrayal of the things that happened to you and say, who am I now? Right? Right? I am now a woman with a neurological condition. Mm. And what can I do with that? Well, I can do the things I can do. I love the and, 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 because so often people feel the lack. Oh, I did. And the and gives us the permission to live with whatever we're dealing with. And I love, so often I come back to what you say about winter. I happen to personally know a lot about the winter season. Yeah. (laughs) In my life. And I know how hard it is to move from winter to spring or to summer. So when people are in the season of winter, even if the the chronological season is summer, um, they're in winter and they can't believe what they want. They Mm. they know they want X, Y, and Z, but they can't believe it. Mm -hmm. They just honestly can't believe it. How do you guide them from the, I want it, but I don't believe it. And I'm in winter. Yeah. Winter is tricky because that is where the great lie lives, right? The Uh great lie is winter is your normal, right? So if you're in conflict with your partner, for example, right? I coach a lot of like couples and the lie is the normal is based in contempt or anger and frustration and Mm. disappointment and disconnection. That's the great lie. Mm. So when you are in that space, that winter is all you can see. I mean, think about it. I'm from Canada. I'm from, Mm. you know, I lived in some of the coldest temperatures that (laughs) Canadian cities have. And when it is actually winter, there's another level of winter, right? There is the blizzard. Hmm. And when you're in a blizzard, you have no visibility, right? Right. So there's right. winter, mm. there's winter, and then there's a blizzard <laughs> and you cannot see your hand in front of your face. You do not think this storm will ever end. It right. is so brutal. You can't mm. go outside because it rips you to your bones. <sighs> That's where people need the most support. Because they actually don't even think summer is possible. They think it's a fantasy, or they go on Facebook and they see people posting their love pictures of their dream honeymoon in Mexico or Hawaii, and they're like, lies. That Ah. is such a lie because that kind of love doesn't exist because I don't have it and I can't see it. When you're in that state Mm. of winter, that's where Mm. I find people have no belief that there's a way out. And so, what has to happen in those times? is obviously we're at a crossroads, right? Because you face Mm. the crossroads every time you decide, can I even leave this season behind? And the number one thing I ask people to do with me is to go on the hunt, right? Mm. Just like, you know, I have bears in my backyard, just like bears in, you know, in the winter, they have to go on the hunt to find some scraps of food. You need to start looking for evidence, that the big lie is alive and well in your life. So when you are out in your relationship and your partner does hold the door for you, mm. you're like, huh, 
I didn't notice that before because I just noticed that he's wearing these pants that I hate and these, you know, this sweater that his mother gave him and I can't stand her. And you don't notice that he held the door or, you know, he started a fire because he knows that you're cold, right? Or, you know, or she got the mail because you keep forgetting to pay the bills, right? And so instead of being mad at her, you're like, thank you for going down and, you know, getting the mail for us. Like, I just, it has to be the smallest things because otherwise we aren't going to believe it, right? If you are in deep winter with your partner, for example, and your partner brings home a bouquet of flowers, right? what is the first thing we think? What did you do? What did you do wrong? <laughs> what did you do wrong? Exactly. <laughs> what are you apologizing for? <laughs> what, what's the bombshell that you're going to drop now that you've brought this to me? Because I, I feel that you're buttering up to me because yes. there's something that you've got to tell me and I'm not going to be right. happy. <laughs> right. As opposed to just saying, thank you for making me a cup of tea this morning. I really appreciate your thoughtfulness. Boy, right? I'm just going to take a moment there. It feels so good to me. It feels so different. You know, yeah. just looking at that small thing. Yeah. Wow. How often we, we don't look at the small things. Right. Thank you for that. My oh, pleasure. That feels so good. Yeah. Just yeah. like nature. I mean, if we think of mm-hmm. how winter leaves and spring arrives, mm-hmm. there's not a switch. You don't wake up one day and it literally be 70 degrees and all the buds are budding and all the grasses, you know, no, it is just very slow, mm. gradual thing where all of a sudden you look around and you think, huh, wow, there's less snow today. Or the wind doesn't feel quite so chill. Like it's right. a gradual change, but our mm. lives are so busy. Mm. Our schedules are so overpacked. We don't notice it. So yeah. the crossroads is really the power of the pause to stand there and say, I am going to be grateful to my partner or to my children or to my business or to myself mm-hmm. for one thing today. So I am going to hunt for it. I am going to hunt for it like, you know, a mother supporting the FBI on looking right. for clues in some kind of, you know, television show. I am going to be all over this. I am going to hunt like mm. a crazy person. I want this evidence. And you'll find it. Right. Immediately, especially, you know, I do this with parents with children and they're like, oh, no, my child is so ungrateful. They are terrible. (laughs) These kids are acting out like I would have never. My parents would have slapped me upside the head if I ever did. Mm -hmm. It takes about 12 minutes to find evidence that the connect the bid for connection is there. Yes. Right. But because it's like I want the switch, I want the leap, I want the big Mm -hmm. promise, Mm -hmm. I want everything. We miss something. Yes. We miss something. We, we miss many somethings. Exactly. And, and yeah. it's, I mean, just that cup of tea is going to sit with me because the gratefulness of just a small action. So within ourselves, what small actions can we take if we want something? But we see, you know, many other people having it, but we just can't bring our heads to wrap it around that maybe we could, for example, say, be an author. I I work with a lot of people who often tell me, well, I could never write a book. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. And so I often have them journal as as you said. But, But what else can they do if they really can't somehow believe? Because we know the old limiting beliefs, the old stories that they were told that Mm -hmm. are not true, live very, very strongly in their front of their mind. Mm -hmm. So what could they do? Do they look for evidence that they could write a sentence? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I am an author as well. So I have a lot of coaching clients who come to me and say, oh, I want to write a book, not like Mm -hmm. yours. Like I just, I want something tiny and simple. And, you know, I can't possibly write a book like that. And I think, of course you can. Mm -hmm. You know, why can't you write even better than I wrote? You know, So they already set up the parameters because people are afraid to fail publicly, right? Mm. And I think we are afraid to fail publicly in a lot of ways. And so that is what actually keeps us very stuck is the fear of embarrassment of putting ourselves out there and it Mm. being a total flop. And I see this so many times, especially in professional pursuits, right? Starting a business, launching a course, writing a book, 
people are terrified. And if they don't get five likes or 10 likes on their post within the first half an hour, they pull it down. (laughs) Oh no. And I just think, oh my gosh, but you know, do you know how many people private message me and say, oh my God, man, I was at the edge. I was on the bathtub. Yes. Just wondering if I should even leave my bathroom today. Like I Mm -hmm. couldn't get off the floor. And then I open up Facebook and there's your post. And I just think I would have never known that. And if I pulled that down, you know, like how many people I could have reached had I had faith that the right people were going to see what I needed. Mm -hmm. And so what do I say is I ask them where they feel powerful. And what a great question. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it takes a few minutes, right? But I am more consultant and advisor than actual coach because I Mm. don't want to sit with someone for nine months and let them figure it out. I will start asking probing questions, (laughs) right? And it's the journalist in me, but I'll say, do you sing? How did you know? Hmm. Because you post a lot of things about music. So I know that, could you write me a song? Could you write me a song? Could you write me a poem and put it to music? Could you speak it out loud? Could you do like spoken word poetry? Right. Could you take the ideas in your heart and bring them through a different medium? Could you paint me a picture? Hmm. Could you tell me a story in a fable? Could you write me a eulogy? Right. What is it that you can use to tell me what you want to know? From there, we build the thing. Not everybody needs to write a book. Right. Right. Some people create a book of poetry. Some people actually give speeches. Some people become parenting experts and go into schools and help children and help parents find each other again. Mm -hmm. Some people do other kinds of work that I can't even imagine. Right. That's not the point. The way that they tell their truth is not necessarily what matters to me. What matters to me is that their truth, like a seed, is planted in the garden that is the healthiest. Because when I speak to people, we often talk about planting seeds, but we don't spend a lot of time talking about the garden, Mm -hmm. right? What you're talking about with limiting beliefs tells me that this person, as we all do, has a garden. You have a garden. I have a garden. Hmm. Right now, we have a shared garden, you and I, Ellen, because that's what we're doing here in this interview is we are working on our shared garden. This is something we will always have together. And whenever we see each other through the rest of our lives, we will talk about this shared garden moment as being this episode, right? Hmm. Everybody, though, has their own garden. And if your garden is filled with sharp objects, Hmm. hurt words, Hmm. broken hearts, damaged trauma, you know, traumatic experiences, unhealed wounds, poisons, toxins, hurtful things. How many seeds can you plant that won't grow, right? right? We have to heal those wounds. We have to remove those sharp objects from the garden. We have to add in healthy soil. We have to put in fertilizer. We have to till the soil and remove the weeds. That's spring cleaning. So when someone comes to me and says, Leanne, I can't do the thing you do, Mm -hmm. right? I wished I could do that. I can't, I can't do any of those things. The first thing I say is, okay, get on your knees. We're going to, we're going to weed the garden. We are going to look at your personal garden Mm -hmm. and we are going to start pulling out all the things that are choking you to death, right? Mm -hmm. All the the terrible weeds that are squeezing out the life of that one little bud. You have this one little idea. You want to write a book, Mm. but you think you can't because Mm. all of the stuff around you is saying, you're not writing this book because we are here to stop that growth, right? Right. So we weed the garden. Mm. We plant things that we want. We put little barricades around it. We put little netting around it to protect it. We fill that soil with the nutrients that it needs, which is my love, the support from other supportive people, you know, good podcasts, inspirational texts, Mm -hmm. affirmations. You know, I do EFT tapping with some clients. Let's clear some of that out Mm -hmm. because your garden is literally the only thing you're responsible for in your life. What is in your garden? And then planting the things that you want. 
I mean, how many people I meet, mm. Ellen, that say, oh my gosh, Leanne, I wish I could travel the world, but I don't have the money or I don't have the time or, right. you know, I'll wait till I'm 60. Mm. Great, great. That is your choice for sure. But if you want to travel, you will shop at consignment stores. You will not buy that latte every day. You will drive a 12-year-old van like I do. You know, you will make intentional choices because when I mm. stood at the crossroads and said, do I want to give my kids the world? Right. Well, of course I did, but I wasn't going to be alive long enough to do that. Mm. What could I do? I could show them the world. And mm. so I decided we don't spend our money on that. Mommy, mommy, I want this new thing. But baby, we don't spend our money on that because mm. I want to show you the world. Yeah. And so it really is always about choice. It comes down to choice in everything. And so if people say, I can't write like you, but you're choosing that. You're choosing that by deciding that cleaning out your garden is not really how you want to spend your time because you could write a word, you could paint a picture, you could color a coloring page, Mm. you could do a Facebook live, you could call a friend, you could record yourself giving some dream speech of winning a Grammy for your music. You could do any of those things, but if you can't do those things, you aren't taking care of your garden. And that's always where we start. I love this so much. I am going to be thinking about my personal garden all day today and what weeds need to be pulled out, what new soil needs to be amended. Yeah. So for people who are listening, if you have been thinking about creating something new in your life, Why don't you start, as Leanne said, with the image of your own garden? And so, Leanne, are there any tips for how to pull out the weeds? Absolutely. So we often have blind spots to the weeds, right? We actually think they're part of us. We think the Mm -hmm. limiting beliefs are part of our DNA because from a very young age, we were told, whatever we were told, you're not good enough, smart enough, you know, fast enough, athletic enough, bright enough, whatever it was that we Mm -hmm. were told from whoever, right? It could have been parents, coaches, teachers, peers. It doesn't matter where it came from. That seed was planted. And for whatever reason, the sad little person inside of us decided, oh, this is a seed I'm going to nurture. I'm going to protect this seed of unworthiness because Mm -hmm. I believe it to be true because I trust this person. And I think this person knows more than me. Yeah. So what we need to do is we need to write it all out. We need to write that letter to ourselves and say, I am unworthy. I am unworthy because of all of these reasons. Hmm. And at some point, this has happened every single time. At some point of all of this litany of self-loathing, all of this evidence that we suck, all of these examples of how we messed up, Mm -hmm. something inside of our psyche says, okay, but hold on a minute. But wait a minute here. It's not all bad. Remember, I did this really kind thing once, or I've taken care of my sick mother for 11 years, or Mm. I volunteered at the school when they really needed someone to help with the safety net reading program, or I'm a good person actually. The second that switch happens, it's game over for your fears. It's game over for your limiting beliefs because that that. seed inside of you is now woke. And it is saying, okay, wait a minute. I'm not all bad. So once that happens, then you go back to the hunt and you're like, let me find other ways that I am awesome. Let me ask people what they see in me. Mm. And I call people. There have been times I've called people and I will say, Do you have three minutes? Yeah, of course. What do you need? I need you to tell me all the awesome things about me because right now I don't think there's anything awesome. And people are like, oh girl, are you kidding? You did this. You helped me with this. You, you know, you did this. You spoke at this stage and you helped that woman and she, you know, reunited with her child or whatever it is. And I write it down and it becomes my file of evidence. Oh, I love this. So I have folders of evidence and I have mm. pictures of the things I've done great. I have testimonials of people I've helped. I have snippets and little snapshots of my life where I've done kind things for people. 
And they're not things that I've been publicly recognized for. Right. You know, somebody dropped a wallet and I picked it up and I brought it back to them and it had all the money they needed to pay their rent, right? I could have kept it. It was thousand dollars, you know, but right. I did that. So I wrote, a, I wrote a little letter to myself in my journal. And I said, Leanne, I'm oh. proud of you today. I'm proud of you because you did something mm. that was hard to do. You saw something that was easy for you to keep, but you went to the police and you put up a notice and you went back to that bakery and you hunted mm. this person down to do the right. Like what kind of person does that? You are tenacious. Oh. You are a beautiful mm. soul. Like you believe in goodness in the world and you don't know that this person was at their last penny and you made them believe in the goodness of the world. Oh, I love this right? so much. I have folders of awesomeness and it's mm. not because I'm some kind of spiraling narcissist. It's because in the winter, I can't see anything. Yes. The storms yes. will come. I cannot stop the storms from coming. I cannot stop somebody from dying or someone from getting sick or a job loss or violence on the planet. You know, mm. the total destruction of communities of people. I can't stop those things. And winter consumes me. Mm. I go into deep, deep winters. And if that's depression, if that is, you know, anxious disattachment. I don't know all the time what it is, but I know winter. And when I'm there, I have no visibility. So what do I do? I look at my wall filled with pictures. I open up my journal. I open up a book that I specifically keep as my evidence of awesomeness. Hmm. And I say, once upon a time, somebody said I was a beautiful soul. That might not be today, hmm. but once upon a time, somebody said that. So yeah. I'm going to believe them because I am not the kind of judge and jury that gets to say, Sarah, you were wrong or Violet, you weren't telling me the truth. I'm not going to tell them that they're lying. I'm going to give them the faith that they were telling me the truth. Mm -hmm. So the winter is the lie. And I come back to myself and say, self, what do you need in this moment? Mm. I need some love. I need some reassurance. I need some music to flow through my soul. I need a shower to just wash away all of this, this winter on my soul. These, these cold, dark, harsh feelings. Girl, mm. do whatever you need to do to move through spring. Mm. Like soak yourself in your awesomeness. Remind yourself of your beauty. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's often when I will put something up on Facebook and I will put something very heartfelt out because I'm in a state of winter. And so what, what I do, not for the likes and the comments, mm -hmm. evidence oh. that I can be moving mm -hmm. through winter and choose spring. So when I put posts like the one you mentioned, mm -hmm. it's because somewhere in my soul, I was in a cold, dark place and I said, I need evidence. And if I can't find it in this moment, I'm going to plant something new and it's risky <sighs> and it's hard and yes. it makes me vulnerable. Mm. And people can come out and say, wow, you don't know what you're talking about, or that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I can't stop it. Mm. I have to plant because all I have in this life for every day that I am here is mm. the garden that I stand in mm. and I get to choose. Do I plant or do I let it be overcome with weeds and poisonous plants and critters that come and bite mm. and nibble and eat away at all the things that I'm trying to do? And I have to get on my hands and knees and I have to dig in that soil and I've got to get rid of the stuff that hurts me. Girl, <laughs> you have touched my heart. For those of you who can't see this because <laughs> I have been sitting here crying because you have just touched my heart so deeply and I feel your love. I feel your love for not only your winter in you, but for my winter in me. And for those of you who are listening, if you happen to be in winter or you know winter, I hope you felt what I felt in Le Leanne's words today. Just beautiful. 
Ah, and I am going to make a folder of awesomeness. I love that. Yes. Oh my goodness. And for all of you who are listening, I challenge you to make your folders of awesomeness. And I'd love to hear about it and let Leanne hear about it. So Leanne, if people wanting to get in touch with you, how can they find you? Absolutely. So I'm on Facebook, Leanne Cabot, and I'm on LinkedIn. My website is five, number five, seasonslife.com. And I'm fully accessible. So if anybody wants to talk to me about their folder of awesomeness or, um, (laughs) you know, ask what should go in it by all means, like it's not a vision board. It's not what you want someday is what you are planting, right? What are you planting today to make that real for yourself? Because There is no acorn in the world that is planted today and becomes an oak tomorrow. Mm. But if you nurture it and you protect it and you guide it and you allow it to grow, it Mm. has in it every single thing it needs to be the mighty oak it is. And that's what we are, right? We have Mm. in us all the potential if we nurture the right seeds. So Yes, the folder of awesomeness, the wall of awesomeness, the, mm-hmm. you know, the vision board of awesomeness. That's however you want to demonstrate it for yourself, but surround yourself with love and possibility. Because when you stand at that crossroads and you will, I mm-hmm. mean, it's early in the morning where we are. You will stand at the crossroads 50 times today. I guarantee it. <laughs> totally. Right? Totally. Between conversations with people. Do I even want to call that person back? Do I want to go on mm-hmm. Facebook or do I want to have a walk? Do I want to have a cup of tea or do I want to, you know, have a glass of beer? We're going to make a thousand decisions today. Mm-hmm. Every single decision is a crossroads. Choose summer every time mm-hmm. and your life will shift and it doesn't matter what's happening outside in the world it doesn't matter if the sun is shining or mm-hmm. you're living in actual winter where you are on the planet the seasons are in your soul live by those seasons thank you so much for coming and nurturing all of us today and yes. just helping us to build and plant our beautiful gardens thank you so much leanne It has been my honor. Thank you, Ellen. You're welcome. And for all of you who are listening, I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on the Heart and Soul podcast. It's such a joy for me to be with you. I know firsthand how much easier it is to rise when you have community to laugh with, shed a few tears with, and be inspired by. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, go subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas, or you might want to be a guest on my show, please contact me directly at ellennewhouse.com. And while you're there, grab the special resources I have created for you to begin to take inspired action in your own life. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week.